So this teaching is called Why Spiritual Practices Part 1. I had the privilege of leading a discussion and it was recorded live at one of our gatherings. You'll find all our recordings for free at gathered.church, where we seek to equip the body to be the church. So today is going to be an introduction to why spiritual practices are important for us as followers of Jesus. And we're not going to talk about the specific practices just yet. Uh, that will be next week. So this week we're going to talk about why spiritual practices. Next week we're going to talk about what and how and all that sort of stuff. So we will also not be going through one book of the Bible specifically in this series. Instead we're going to be pulling together, picking together uh, all these threads that are running throughout the Bible and piecing them together as we go. So it'll be more of a theme, wisdom, biblical uh, principles sort of thing. However, um, there is something very sacred and something beautiful for us as a gathering to be reading and engaging the Bible together uh, during the week, sort of at, at the same pace. And I would hate for some of us who've built this practice of, of doing that already to sort of slip away from that for the next two, two months or so. And so I thought it'd be really cool if we choose a handful of psalms and throughout the week we just read one chapter together. Psalms aren't, usually aren't very long, some of them are, but <laughs> in general it can just be something that we're, we're soaking up, taking time, dwelling on throughout the week and then discussing when we're together. Psalms go really well hand in hand with spiritual practices, so it will line up nicely and the way the Spirit often works is we'll read something and then be like, oh, I totally wasn't thinking of that when the person wrote this message and it just lines up. So I expect that to happen. So what I'm thinking is I can, I can come up with a list of 10 or 12 um, chapters that would be worth going through, or uh, a couple of you guys can come up with that. I'm happy with either way. What do you guys reckon? Who'd be keen? Happy if I do it? <laughs> but I will do, I will do it. Yep. <laughs> Just don't have to think I'm, I'm happy to do that. So we're going to be looking at spiritual habits or spiritual practices that as a church family we can be implementing, both individually and communally over the next couple of months, and hopefully continue, like, continue on through with that. And there, uh, there are quite a lot of spiritual disciplines that over the last 2,000 years have been formed and developed. We are only going to hone in on a handful that the early church thought were really crucial and were just a way of life or things that they so important um, and we're going to take our time to slowly go through these ones so we're going to give space for teaching for practicing for reflection for discussion for practice and it, we might stick on two or three weeks on one practice and just really get into it um, instead of just sort of smashing it out we don't fly through it just so that we can sort of tick it off the list and be like well we did a series on that let's move to the next thing the point of this is to really practice it yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Spiritual practices, practice them. So there are going to be different levels of expectation and participation in these depending on uh, your desire to lean in, to lead and to help shape the culture. It's kind of how far along you are in your apprenticeship with Jesus, which we'll talk about in a minute. So if you don't have the desire to lean in and shape the culture, then you're off the hook. You don't have to do it. You can just come along, listen, connect with us. Um, but for those of us That's who like actually like, do have the desire, <laughs> I feel like there's a couple in here in this room, have the desire and, and really want to em embrace this, and I would encourage us as a group, let's, let's do it, let's dive in. We'll be explaining specific practices and sharing different examples and ways that these have been built in as habits, and we'll be doing that, like I said, together and, and separately. The word practice I love, because the purpose of the practice is just to practice 
here for people who've been doing it for 10 or 15 years are still just practicing. And the practice is just that, it's always practice. And I think as we look at spiritual practices, we're not practicing for performance, the value is in undertaking the practice. And I just love the word practice, and I just want to affirm yeah. that. That's good. So each practice will have bunch of resources around that we will be putting together. I'm going to actually set up a page on our website for anyone who's interested and really wants to dive in deep. There'll be links, there'll be books, there'll be videos, podcasts, whatever we can find resources for the specific practices. It'll be kind of like a virtual library that we can keep going back to um, throughout the year and, and maybe onward. So with all that said, I do want to make something clear though. There is no guilt and there is no shame if you're unable to participate in all of these, okay? I want that to be said from the from day one. The goal of what we're doing is not to heap a bunch of law and more programs into our week and to point a finger if you're not keeping up. That is not what we're doing here. I do, however, hope that some of us will be able to practice these and that we will be drawn close to the Father's heart, but not to point a finger at people who aren't able to do that. I also hope and pray that we'll see these practices as blessings, not burdens. It's going to be hard to do, most likely, but it will be also healthy and it will be helpful as we're doing this. Those of you who are able to, if you have the headspace, the time, the, you're going to make time, if this is a big priority, um, jump in with both feet, do it. Make the most of this. A lot of effort and a lot of energy is going to go into resourcing this, teaching around it, and it's just sort of right there for us to use. So use it, engage with it, get into that. Others will not be able to go 100% in, the, in whatever season you're in, and that's, that's totally fine. Um, be gracious to the situation that God has you in and the place that he's got you in right now. And I, if that's you, for whatever reason, I would encourage you to be asking the Spirit for each practice that we do, ask the Spirit, is this the practice that I most need to participate in right now? If it isn't, that's fine. Don't, don't beat yourself up. And then there will be people in our gathering who just don't have the desire to and, and maybe even refuse to participate. Wherever we are in that, I want us to hear that the purpose of this is for freedom and for growth. That's it. It's to draw us to the Father's heart. And we can engage in that to whatever level. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So an analogy that sort of came to me around this is I love music. I like writing songs. I love poetry. And my poems usually have a way of turning into some sort of song eventually. And if I were to sit back and ask myself as a musician or as a songwriter, is it a requirement for me to write music or to sing songs or pick up an instrument and practice music? Or as a poet, is it a requirement for me to sit down and to write down my thoughts and my process, processing the world and these emotions in some poetic way? Am I required to do it or is it just a recommendation? Is it a, re is it a recommendation? Well, yeah, definitely. Like if I want to grow as a musician, I need to be practicing. That's kind of an obvious thing. Is it a requirement for me to actually be playing or singing or writing music to be a musician? Well, no, and yes. No, it's not a requirement in the sense that I could be a musician and never sing. I could never touch an instrument. I could never create a song. But I know I would actually be missing part of me. I'd be missing something beautiful. I would actually feel like part of me is lacking and that my abilities as a musician or a poet would actually start fizzling or fading. So writing songs is the way of life for a songwriter. That kind of goes hand in hand. It's the overflow or the byproduct of who I am. The habit of writing down poetry or the habit of picking up an instrument or the practicing it and playing and enjoying it, it just happens. I do these things because I love music and I actually need to express and process my thoughts and emotions in that way. 
And so for me to ask, is it a recommendation or is it required, means I'm totally missing the point. And in the same way, as followers of Jesus, as the fathers adopted children, as apprentices of Jesus and ambassadors of the kingdom, practicing spiritual habits is an overflow of who we are. Well, how we spend our time actually tells us something about how we view ourselves. If I spend my time wasting it on things that are irrelevant, being lazy, that is, that is saying something of how I view myself. And what we do and what we prioritize actually comes from what we believe about what God says about us. So for the early church and for Jesus, life without spiritual practices was as strange a concept as a musician who's never played music. It wouldn't even enter their mind. Spiritual practices went hand in hand with being a follower of Jesus. In fact, uh, and we'll argue this as the weeks go on, but the New Testament shows us that practicing spiritual practices was the normal Christian life. It was just what you did. You couldn't separate it. It was something that they actually made happen. They had to put effort and thought into it. They built rhythms each week, each month, each year for there to be spaces to direct their hearts back to Jesus and back to his kingdom. And they did this alone and they did this together. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 9.24. We'll start there. I have to sort of preface this. This portion of scriptures is something that our culture doesn't want to hear. It offends the idols of comfort and instant gratification. So we're going to read this and uh, brace yourselves. Because it's in the Bible, we won't avoid it. So 1 Corinthians 9.24 and we'll go into chapter 10 a little bit. Have a listen. So... Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets a prize? Unless, of course, you were born in the last 20 years and then everyone gets a prize. Um, So, run to win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we receive the imperishable. So I run with purpose in every step. I do not fight like a boxer aimlessly beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, training it to do what it was designed to do. Otherwise, I fear that after teaching others, I might myself be disqualified. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized into Moses' leading. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not drift away and crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. So what Paul is reminding us, It's that to follow Jesus takes work. It takes effort. It's not a cruisy walk in the park. Now, there's a lot we can get out of that, but that's the point I want to make. It's not a walk in the park. And Jesus said himself that the road is wide that leads to death, but narrow is the road that leads to life. Wide is easy. It's easy walk. This is in Matthew 7, verse 13. Narrow, it's tough. To get through this gate and walk this way. And he goes on to say that only a few will actually follow. That there'll be a lot of people who sort of give up. It's too hard. And so Paul's saying it takes a lot of effort. It's hard work. Jesus is saying it takes a lot of effort. It's hard work. Only a few are going to actually continue. Well, what about the crazy verse that's in Luke 9? Have, have a listen to this. 
Luke 9, 23 onward, this is Jesus saying this. He says to the crowd, If any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Right there, most people are like, no, that's too much. I, I think like that a lot. If any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. In other words, die. Luke 9, 23? What version of the Bible? Oh, New Living. That's why it sounds better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you are trying to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If anyone, this is hard, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the angels. Jesus is saying we need to die to ourselves. Whatever you want more than you want Jesus, forget about it. Let go of it. Whatever that is, die to that. That is a huge calling. And he goes on in Luke 9, which we won't read, but towards the end of the chapter, gives these examples of people and how he responds to them. Leave your family, leave your work, forget about burying your parents, like intense stuff. What we're trying to make here is not everyone is going to stick out and follow Jesus. Jesus says that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, meaning there are only a few who want to work. It's hard work. Many people will give up. And as of last year, most of you know this stat because I've talked about it a lot. But last year, they found that in Australia, 72% of people who grew up in the church no longer connect with Jesus or with his body. A lot of people are drifting. It is hard. The point I'm trying to make here is to be an apprentice of Jesus takes work. It's going to take a lot of practice, as you were saying, Joe. Practice is the point. It's going to take a lot of effort to get to this sort of place where it seems more natural. And I say natural because things that I used to struggle with I don't as much anymore. There's this progression. Um, this is what, what is called spiritual maturity. This direction that we're heading in these practices help us learn how to reflect Jesus' ways, Jesus' truth, and Jesus' life. And we can't do that without listening to the Spirit and practicing His ways and taking captive the things that are trying to steal our kingdom identity from us. So spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits, they're all the same way of saying the same thing. And I, I like the word practice. What it actually means, and this might be worth taking note if anyone is taking notes. Spiritual practices are the actions and the choices that we make for dying to ourself, to our old self, Ephesians 4.22, to realigning our view with God's view, Romans 12.2, and to clearing the clutter that distracts us from hearing the Spirit. Psalm 25. So I'll say that again. Spiritual practices are the actions and the choices that we make of dying to our old self, of realigning our view with God's view, and clearing the clutter that distracts us from hearing the Spirit. Spiritual practices are actually the act of fighting against or defying the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of this world, which is the culture and the way of life that rejects Jesus as King. Spiritual practices are rebelling against that. Colossians 1.3 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And these practices are ways of proclaiming that inwardly and outwardly. That Jesus owns me. I'm the property of Christ. I belong to him. 
It's us telling the spiritual realm, telling the earthly realm, that Jesus is Lord of our life, that he's Lord of my life, and that he is the king of all creation, and that we as his people desire to be formed and shaped into living into his kingdom purposes. And this is where the idea of spiritual formation comes in. We're all formed by something. Every choice we make, every action or non-action is forming our heart at some level. Michelle told me about this podcast yesterday. I had to listen to it. Um, John Eldridge. He talks about there's no middle ground. There's either kingdom of God or not. And so every decision we're making is, is either forming us for that or forming for another kingdom. I'll put it online because it's worth listening to, especially as we're looking at the year that's coming up and sort of thinking, how do we think about this year? So unintentionally, we are being formed and intentionally, we can be formed. Either way, we're being formed. And God, in His grace and wisdom, has given us the privilege of actually getting to choose some of the ways that we're formed. So there's the unintentional formation that happens on a daily basis that we don't notice. Um, and there is a intentional formation. So, what we've got here is... Where can I put this so we can see? It's okay. Oh. There we go. So what we've got is the culture on one side, it's the environment that we're in. It, this is it, We're formed and shaped without realizing it. So the stories that we believe, whether it's the media that tells us, or our friends that tell us, or whatever it might be, we believe certain worldviews, and that comes from culture. The habits that we have. If I have a habit of every night watching Netflix, that says something. I'm being formed by that. That's doing something to my heart. If I have the habit of meeting up with people and just being cynical or sarcastic or, or negative, that's forming my heart. The relationships we have, whether we choose them or they just happen to be around us, we are shaped by that. And so this is the unintentional formation that happens, always. And then the intentional one is being formed by Christ. And this is obviously around the spirit. This is where the spiritual practices come into play, where we, we're actually intentional on what is forming us, who we're listening to, where we're getting teaching from, what the community is actually reflecting. Our culture has so many barriers set up to prevent us from listening to the spirit. And it has so many lies preventing us or opposing the Father's love. And so we need to actually practice this time that we're in now with digital age. This stuff is even more influencing us. The, the clutter and the busyness that we have, the constant distractions that are bombarding us from every side, every minute of every day, is so intense, maybe even more than in history that we've ever experienced. We are not designed to be omnipresent, but we try to be. We want to be everywhere at the same time and we want to know everything at the same time. We're not designed for that, but we try to and we get burnt out. And so the culture is influencing us. We can choose to be influenced by Christ. And that's kind of what the spiritual practices come under in there. Because if we're not intentionally being formed by Jesus through our habits and our practices, we will be formed by the culture. So all of that stuff that is like just out of fault, baseline, is unintentional with awareness they can shift into becoming. Yeah. Intentional. Yeah. They don't have to stay yeah. unintentional. She's read the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, yeah. <laughs> but you are getting texts for uh, participation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I am like. Can I get you to write something? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> In a bit. One, one of the things I've, I found really helpful was just a little phrase Is this actually bringing me life? 
So mm. in sitting down at the end of a really crazy long day with 59,000 stressors and still not achieving, I'll turn on the mm. TV show. Mm. And just looking at going, is this actually bringing me life? No, you know what would? Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like even in the interactions with family, is this yeah. life giving yeah. what we're so, doing in this interaction? Yeah. Or is it... Uh, well, it's one or the other. You're in a river and you're either going forward or you're going backwards. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's just the way the Christian yeah. life is. Yeah. Either being intentional, and that can be intentionally resting, yeah. or you are drifting backwards to yeah. the unintentional, the default, the default mm -hmm. that, yeah. And yeah. I guess what we want is for our default to become more intentional. Right. Mm -hmm. And the more we are maturing with the intentional practices, the more that these other things, the stories we believe, will be shifting, the environment that we're creating around us will be shifting habits and all that sort of stuff. The, the phrase that I wrote down is very similar to what you're saying. It's either filling us or draining us. And, and there is nothing in between. I don't have any problem being busy. I think what God's telling me is you need to actually stop. Yeah. It's not stop doing the things you need to be doing, but don't be so busy. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for other people, it actually might be get off your butt and do something. Yeah. In fact, next week, I'll be talking a little bit about there's certain practices, there's the ones that if I'm struggling with a particular sin of omission or a sin of commission, commission if you're being inactive, there's certain practices that get you off your butt. And there are other ones that say, get on your butt, like sit down, rest, be still, be silent. So knowing that, that which we'll talk about. So there's three takeaways I want to talk about. The first one is, it's, it's going to take intentional effort. As we read, Paul was talking about, we, we need to discipline our bodies. It, takes time um, it's going to be hard this is all under the same one it's going to be hard and we live in a culture where comfort is the king and effort is the enemy yeah. right if it's too hard don't bother that's what the culture tells us uh, if it makes you feel uncomfortable avoid it and I hate to break the news but I think we all know this following Jesus is not comfortable we're dealing with the inner work that's happening in us is not comfortable realizing the hard stuff that God is doing in our hearts it's not a comfortable place to be in. Loving those who no one else wants to love is not a comfortable choice. Lovingly speaking the truth, even when it hurts, is not where we find comfort. So following Jesus is not comfortable. And following Jesus takes effort. Dying to yourself, having self-control, enduring, persevering, loving your enemies, seeking the kingdom first. These things don't come naturally. They are supernatural. This is why we need the Spirit's help. So the first point is... It takes intentional effort. So the second one, and this is really, really important, it's a balanced approach. And there's three points underneath this that would be worth noting. These three things are always good to have in mind. The first one is know your personality. Knowing your personality. Knowing how God has wired you and how He's designed you. Knowing how you best connect with God. What it is that makes you enjoy God. Do you like going on nature walks? Do you like pulling away? Do you like knowing how God has wired you, knowing the energy levels that you've got, what drains you, what fulfills you, or fills you up, what are your coping mechanisms? These are all things about knowing your personality. And so when we're balancing these practices, it's really important to know kind of how you're wired. The second part of that one is knowing your season of life, where God has you, the specific place He's got you in. And being realistic with your expectations. And having graciousness in line with your personal convictions. So for me, this is something 
I have these convictions of things I want to do. As a follower of Jesus, I read the Bible, yes, I want to do this. And then I also have reality and thinking, but I'm getting four hours of sleep every night. I, I, I've got lots of stuff that's going on. I've got these convictions and to be have God's grace sort of pouring over me saying, yeah, these are good things, but that's not right now. Just wait. Be patient with it. So knowing the season of life you're in is really important. If you just had a baby, things are different to if you just have teenagers or if you, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, the third one is knowing your level of apprenticeship. As apprentices of Jesus, there's this process, this is maturing. And this is why I like the idea of apprentice. Because some Christians can have been apprentices for years and years and years, but they're acting and they're living as though they're a first-year apprentice. They're only either able or only willing to sweep the shop. They've, they've never thought of asking to use the tools or of watching the person who's building or whatever apprentice they're doing. They're, they're acting as though they're first years, even though they've been in it for years and years. So knowing the level of where you are helps with that expectation. So the balanced approach, keep those things in mind, and those we'll be touching on as, as it's going. That way the guilt and the, 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 the enemy won't get in and be like, you should try harder, you should be better, all these things. And the last one, which is the most important, but it's good to end with the most important, uh, spirit dependence. So they're called spiritual practices for a reason. Apart from the Spirit, we can do nothing. We need Him to work through us. He is the one that makes the change. He is the one that empowers us and points us to the truth of who God is, what He's done, and who we are in light of that. And so those are kind of the takeaways. Intentional effort. It's going to be hard. Have a balanced approach. Remember those three things in there. And Remember, this is a spirit-driven. We need the dependence on Him. So finally, I want to read out the Great Commission, and I'm reading it in a translation that I found. It's helpful to read something I've heard a thousand times in a different translation. Oh, yeah, gives a fresh view. And so this is from the Voice translation, uh, and I think it's, it's helpful considering what we're talking about. So this is a Great Commission from the Voice. It says. Oh, <laughs> Please. That was noise, that was very good. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so this is maybe it isn't the voice. It's just voice translation. Let me read it. Hear where I'm going. As you go, make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then disciple them. Form them in the practices and the postures that I've taught you and show them how to follow the commands I laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age.